I do not fear death. I had been dead for billions and billions of years before I was born and had not suffered the slightest inconvenience from it. Mark Twain. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Caprell. Welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I am your host, Dan Caprill, where each and every month we seek to take that which many perceive as complicated in the world of personal finance and show you it's not that hard at all. There's some basics that you have to accept. There's some facts of life you have to accept. One of them is that the news of the day is not predictable. It never will be. And since the news of the day is not predictable, markets will never be predictable, no matter how much you want them to be. You also should accept the likelihood that over time, life will be better. Because during your lifetime, there's been just a ton of horrible news, and yet the life that you lead today dwarfs that of your grandmother, your great-grandmother. They could not even conceive in their wildest dreams the life that you lead. In fact, it's interesting, just uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, Beth and I, we had some friends visit us here at our home in Tennessee, and we took them over to the Hermitage, which is the home of Andrew Jackson. And most of the time he spent there was after his presidency. He and his wife had lived on the land on a cottage, and then when they when they left office, she died just as he had assumed office, actually. And when he returned, he spent the last years of his life at a newly built mansion that he had. And he called it the hermitage because he wanted to live a life apart, like a hermit. Now, in truth, he did not. People came to see him all the time. Very interesting individual, full of contradiction like every human. One could argue, you know, outside of the founding fathers and certainly outside of Lincoln and Washington, you could argue he was our most important president because his role in the War of 1812, which too many Americans have never really studied. Now, this was not a war that, you know, we got huge benefits from in terms of new territory. But what it did do is it put an end to the Revolutionary War, which ended any hopes that the British had of expanding to Western North America, that that was indeed going to be our land. Now, you can take whatever politically correct stance you want about the fact that he owned slaves, as most wealthy people did over the time, or that the indigenous people over time were overcome. Look, that's the fact of history. And I don't make apologies for the fact that those things happen because I still say that the life that all descendants of imprisoned people or enslaved people had today in the United States is far greater as a result of the of the sacrifices. Now, that doesn't justify those bad things at all. Slavery is horrible, but it happened. What do we do? We have to move on. And so, you know, Andrew Jackson was not only a great general, but, you know, he, some of his more controversial things was relocating most Native American tribes west. And again, he was a slave owner. So the tour, I thought, did a very good balance of that. Um, you know, in showing that, you know, showing the man for all that he was. But what really stuck with me 
was here's a guy who lived in what you would consider to be a life of luxury back then. And he had a very nice house, don't get me wrong. But there's absolutely no way you would trade places with wherever you live now versus where he lived in terms of the fact that he had no plumbing, no electricity. He had no refrigeration, no air conditioning. So he had a land, but you know, there's no running water. <laughs> there's no way I would have lived that life if I, you know, given the choice, right? So compared to others of his time, yeah, he lived in luxury, but the life that you live today dwarfs that of Andrew Jackson. It's not even close. And he was a guy who, you know, at one point was, you know, arguably the most powerful man in the world. So that's the point I want to try to make always to you, to listeners, to clients, is that, you know, whatever short-term problems we are having right now, those will be overcome most likely. There is one exception, and that's the topic, though, of today's show. But before we get to it, let's talk about the disclaimer. I don't know you. Ah, maybe I know you. Chances are, though, I don't. Therefore, please do not take anything that I say as direct advice for you. Take it as education that you will then use to investigate more. Now, listen, if you would like to make me your advisor, or at least have a discussion, be happy to do that. It's very simple. Just go to www.talktodc.com. Talktodc.com will allow you to schedule a time with me and we can talk. You'll go right into my personal calendar and you can schedule a 15-minute consultation with me. But if you're taking this as education, please talk it over with your advisor or advisors. Hopefully you just have one advisor, by the way. Make sure that it's appropriate for you. So in today's Problem Solver segment, we're going to talk about the Grim Reaper. We're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about the fact that we will all someday die. I knew this moment in my life was coming. Obviously, I didn't look forward to it. No, don't worry. I'm not dying. At least not as far as I know. But I knew I was going to reach a point with my clients where a lot of those that I had met and acquired 20 years ago would start to die. And I'm clearly at that point with my practice today. I don't want to track it, although I could, but I would estimate going back the last three, four years, I have averaged probably one client passing every quarter. Now, this is statistics. This is actuarial science. This is not anything all that surprising. It's just not necessarily enjoyable to experience. Fortunately, in, I guess, all these cases, now that I think about it, all the work had been done, meaning that while it was painful these people died, particularly for their families, that all of the financial situations associated with it, or the ramifications, I should say, associated with dying, were clear. State settlement, very clear. Really no mysteries. So when I talk to the children, most of whom I already knew, because we make it a point with our clients to get to know their adult children, it was very seamless. And I would always say the same thing to them, which was, you know, if you wanted to send me all the paperwork that you're getting, anything you're getting in the mail, just send it here. 
and I'll be more than happy to sit with you and go over it with you. You know, that's really the normal way in which we operate. And so by saying that to them, I could see the relief that they were feeling. I mean, they knew their parents would pass someday, but now they're like, okay, what have I inherited from a work standpoint? Not even from an asset standpoint, because in most cases done properly, they knew what they were going to inherit from an asset standpoint. But how is this all going to affect me in terms of the things I got to do? You know, what are all the issues? What are all the complications, et cetera? Well, we had that spelled out. And more importantly, I said to them, don't worry about it. You just come see me and we're going to take care of it. All right. But then again, like I said, I don't know you. So I wanted to give you some tips. If you have an elderly parent, if you yourself are elderly, you don't have to be sick, but someday you're going to die, right? I mean, I'm sorry. It's it's just a fact of life. Like, like Mark Twain said, don't fear it because essentially you were dead before you were born and, you know, that didn't cause you any inconvenience. So, you know, from my perspective, hopefully there is an afterlife. I, you know, I, I believe there is one. You know, I could be wrong. You know, I've had people say that to me. They go, what are you going to do if, you know, heaven is, as you perceive it as a Christian, doesn't exist? You go, well, what can I do? But in the meantime, you know, if my faith helps me live my life here better, well, that's a good thing. But I won't feel like I've made a mistake. I probably, if I'm wrong, I'll have no consciousness of it anyway, right? But, you know, the principles of my faith and the belief of an afterlife have enriched my life. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I just know this, you know, I came in the world with nothing and I'll leave with nothing as I believe it's the book of Timothy says. So what are the things that you need to be cognizant of? All right. So the first thing is, look, if you have not updated your estate plan, your will, since your kids were small and now they're adults, please update it. You need to understand that much of what you have your will will have absolutely no impact on it whatsoever. So for example, if you have an IRA, if you have a 401k, if you have an annuity, if you own anything with joint tenants with rights of survivorship, your will will not address those items at all because all of those items have their own little contractual designation, if you will. So if you have an IRA and you have listed your child as the beneficiary, and you've only listed one child, and you have six, and you want them all to share equally in that, and your will says that, guess what? Your IRA will pay out to one person only. Now, if that one person had the goodness of their heart, wants to give some of that money to the others, he or she can do that, but they will not be contractually required to do so. Same thing with if your house. If your house has a transfer on death designation, you have circumvented your will. Now, circumventing your will, in my opinion, is largely a good thing because the enforcement of a will requires probate. And probate can be both slow and expensive. So avoiding it is good, but you need to know that's what you're doing. And I've seen examples where people have set up elaborate estate plans but failed to fund them properly or fail to change designations. We had one where I don't know all the details and I don't really don't want to know all the details, but let's just put it this way. The son contacted me and assured me that his parents had disinherited his sister shortly before their death or so he thought. 
Now, he never sent, we were never given any heads up or warning about any of this, but their estate planning documents, their trust, did indeed, the amendments made did indeed disinherit the daughter. The problem was they didn't have a lot of trust assets. Almost all their money was sitting in an IRA account. And that IRA account was payable equally to son and daughter. The son was not a happy camper. (laughs) Wasn't our fault. Nothing we did wrong. You know, I don't know if someone changes their estate plan until they tell us. Now, if I'm going to blame anybody, I probably would have blamed the attorney for not at least pointing this out. But a lot of times people forget. You know, I, I see this on TV all the time. It always bothers me when I'm going to go change my will. When I know that, you know, if this guy is a super wealthy person, his will probably has absolutely nothing to do with his assets. You see it misreported on TV all the time on the news, which is nothing new because they misreport just about everything. But when they talk about how a celebrity died and what his will said, his will, I assure you, doesn't really impact his estate. His assets are transferred in ways other than, you know, there's few exceptions to that. I mean, if the person was a burnt out rock and roller, okay, maybe. But uh, let me give you somebody who's got their act together. Martha Stewart. The day Martha Stewart dies, it doesn't matter what her will says, I assure you. Those assets will transfer in a very smooth and seamless manner, and nobody will really know who got what unless they talk. So understand that just because you have designations does not mean that your will is going to be addressing those. Discuss this with your attorney. So I'm not an attorney. I'm just an informed consumer. And I want you to understand that, that those designations, those transfer on deaths, joint ownership with rights of survivorship, those things are, in essence, their own mini estate plans. And they take priority over any document that you might have. So if you created a trust, your trust needs to be funded, which means the assets have to be titled to the trust. Now, some assets you don't ever want to title to the trust because if you did so, it could create taxation, immediate taxation. So understand that. Right. Another thing I want you to address, given the fact that someday we will die, is the issue of power of attorney. So you probably, if you're married and you've done any type of estate plan, you probably have a written power of attorney that grants your spouse the ability to make decisions on your behalf should you become incapacitated. Very important document to have. Unfortunately, if our spouse gets as old as we are, they may no longer be the best person to do that. So it is very, very important that you make somebody else, preferably your most responsible adult child, the power of attorney, so they can make those decisions for you. They can sign for you at least. Their signature will work. Your bills will get paid. Very, very important. Need to have that on file and available. This way there's no issues. Now, when it comes to power of attorney, there's primarily two. One's healthcare and one's financial. They don't have to be the same person. So if you don't want to make them the same person because you feel that the person, if I give the the son or daughter who's got um, the healthcare power of attorney, if I give them the financial power of attorney, won't that incentivize them to not to see that I live as long as I want to live? If that's your concern, yeah, you maybe want to appoint a different person. I often get questions about, you know, my debts. Will my debts fall upon my children? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. If you leave them an asset that has a debt attached to it, yeah, they're going to have to service that debt. They're probably going to have to refinance is what they're going to have to do. 
But if you racked up $10,000 in credit card charges, no one's going to come to your kid for the 10 grand. Now, if you have assets going through probate, so they haven't transferred contractually, they're going to go through probate through your will, then by all means, those creditors are going to apply to be paid before you get paid. That's their legal right. But I, um, I had a buddy just recently, his, his brother died. In fact, he and his brother are both fraternity brothers of mine. So David got stage four cancer by the time he was diagnosed and died in a relatively short period of time. And he had racked up some debt. And his brother Dwight, his concern was, are David's bills in any way going to affect me? And the answer is no. They weren't going to affect him at all. Now, one of the cool things that happened from this, I'll just share with you this little story, if you will. So Dave, over his life, had fallen on some hard times. And so when he got sick, we always hoped he would get better. But we also knew that his ability to work and stuff like that was going to be impaired. So um, we put together a GoFundMe page for him and largely took advantage of the Fraternity Brother Network that we were a part of 30-some-odd years ago. And you know, we raised over $20,000, which was great. We actually paid off some of his bills, which was nice. And, you know, even though he passed away shortly after setting up the account, uh, those assets will now go towards his daughter. So it's kind of cool to see people rally at a time like that. So just know this, though, that your credit card bill isn't going to spill down to your kids. Now, your estate might be affected by it. But your children aren't going to have to fork out of their own money. They just may get a smaller inheritance, depending on how you've structured it. Now, there are ways to protect your assets against that, too. And these are good discussions that you need to have with an attorney. But that's not really the message I want to drive home with you all today when it comes to this issue of the Reaper. I want to get more into, and I'm going to speak now to people that are younger than 70. I want to speak to those of you who, like me, are in your 50s, your 40s, your 60s. Hopefully, you still have a good body in shape in terms of being able to do things without excessive pain. You're still relatively mobile. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to not only live life fully, but I want you to write down the things you'd like to do before you die the conversations you would like to have before you die. Get it done now. This idea that we should address the bucket list when we're not working is, is silly. You have the financial resources to do it far better when you're working. You may not have as much of the time, but you can make the time. I mean, you can easily make the time. But get the list down. It's interesting, if you were to put down 10 things you'd have to do to avoid living a life without regret. Most of us would be pressed to find 10. I know I would. I'm about to take a trip to, uh, well, I'm not about to. Later this year, I'm going to be taking a, a trip to the Holy Land, to Israel, to Jordan. And I actually did not have this on my list. If I had to live my life and never get over there, I would have been fine. But a friend of mine reached out. And he, uh, his daughter's in the travel business, and he was organizing a trip. And he said, do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, because I knew that if I didn't do it this way, I'd probably never go. And what's really great is this gentleman, he puts on awesome trips. I mean, <laughs> I've seen his pictures. I'm like, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this right. So I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm glad that, that we're doing it. But there's been other things that I've now addressed that I've really wanted to do. 
I made peace with my dad about a year ago. Now, I didn't make peace in a way that he wanted to make peace. But it was fine for me. And it was interesting because when I said goodbye to him, I realized very likely, given how our relationship works, that that might be the last time I see him. Now, I'm okay with that. Okay, I'm at peace with that. That's all I can be. And if I didn't end it on the way I wanted it to end, then I'd still be pursuing it today. He's still alive today. He's um, 80. Yeah, turned 80 this past year. So those are the things that you have to do. You have to, you know, you have, you have to do it now, though. You don't wait. So if there's a place you wanted to go, if there's something you've always wanted to do. I'm taking guitar lessons now. I never played an instrument. I've always wanted to, even when I was a younger kid. I, always, I was always envious of the kids who learned instruments. Money was a little stretch for us at times as a kid. So I never asked. I never pursued it. And frankly, the trumpet or the violin didn't do much for me. But the guitar, I thought would have been cool. So that's what I'm doing now. Now, you know, what you'll find is if your bucket list is made up of places to go, that's fine. But you probably find yourself, at least if you're like me, I wouldn't say you're going to be disappointed, but they're usually are a little anticlimactic, maybe because traveling is so physically exhausting. So, you know, I've seen some things, but, you know, I, I still, you know, I haven't, haven't been to Paris. I don't really care if I go. I'm sure I will go. The only place that's on my true bucket list is I want to go to Italy. And I don't, I don't want to go to Italy for the, um, for the monuments and the, um, the Colosseum. I want to go for the food. <laughs> That's the reason I want to go. And the wine. And the scenery. You know, but to go see the Vatican, and I'm Catholic, I'll go. Don't get me wrong, I'll go. I have some issues with the current person who's running the Vatican, so <laughs> I may wait longer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you want to at least get that out there, right? So don't wait. Now, if you are 75, 80 years old, just just. Look at the list and figure out what you can do, people. Someday never comes. I had another good buddy die at 51. So that's interesting. Both David at 51 and then my other buddy, Carmen, died at 51. And that really was my wake-up call that someday never comes. And it doesn't. In fact, there's a song like that, right? Credence Clearwater Revival, I think. Someday never comes. So write those things down. I know I've discussed this before. This is not the first episode that I've done on this. But this is what's on my mind right now. And I felt the need to bring it up again. All right. So your assignment for this show is to write down what it would take to live a life without regret. And then ask yourself, can you get it all done? And you know what? If you can't prioritize it, put what would be the most important thing on there. Don't just think in terms of travel. And don't just think in terms of buying stuff. A new skill, meeting somebody, writing a book. Those are cool things. Those things last a very, very long time. Think outside the box in terms of that regard, and I think you'll find it to be very helpful. So I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to me, the easiest way to do that is to schedule a 15-minute call. You simply go to talktodc.com. That's me, Dan Capril, talktodc.com. Click, and uh, it will take you to my schedule where you can schedule time. We'll talk about whatever's on your mind. If we can help you with your issues of personal finance, great. If it's just a matter of steering you in the right direction, be happy to do that too. You can also email me, dan at matsonandcapril.com. 
I want to thank you all. Until next month, this is Dan Capril. Thank you for listening to the Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of NPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.